You're listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining me right now, he is our legal analyst, one of Rhode Island's top attorneys, that is attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, we're going to start off with the uh, Senate impeachment trial that's taking place. There's some different facets of it that I'll ask you questions and we'll discuss. But both sides open. And then uh, on Wednesday, now today, uh, well, on Wednesday, I should say, the House managers began their portion of this impeachment trial. And so I'd like to hear just some of your initial thoughts on how uh, things are working out so far. Well, the deck has been stacked. Um, the the Democrat majority in the Senate um, has voted that um, this impeachment proceeding is constitutional. Personally, I think that's an incorrect conclusion. Um, again, we're not in a courtroom. I think this whole proceeding, were it, it before a judge in a courtroom, would never pass constitutional muster, but we're in the Senate full of politicians um, who are bending the rules and sort of making things up as they go along. Um, from a procedural and from a constitutional perspective, I mean, I think it's an embarrassment. Um, I think the media largely is cheerleading that this is good. I think that the proponents of this trial are simply looking, if not for a conviction, then something to put in the history books that he was twice impeached, um, and it's fodder for any future political run that Donald Trump might wish to make. Um, but it's just crazy the way they're making this thing up as they go along. We talked about last week, John, the fact that... Um, um, Supreme Court Chief Justice Roberts refused to sit for this without explanation. The Constitution calls for the chief judge to preside over an impeachment trial in the Senate. So <laughs> the majority in the Senate says, we got a great idea. We'll make Pat Leahy um, the individual who's going to run the trial to be the judge, so to speak. Now, you can't have it both ways. You look at the Constitution, it's a very short description of what is impeachment, and it's a very short description of what the House does and what the Senate does. So the majority in the Senate says, oh, no, when the chief judge, he only has to sit, does the chief judge, for a sitting president. If it's not a sitting president, then we don't need the chief judge then we can just put in whoever we want. The Constitution doesn't say anything like that. It doesn't talk about when the president is sitting versus when the president's out of office. It simply says the, the chief judge presides. So now the hairs are being split by the majority in the Senate saying, well, we can still do this without the chief judge because there's an inference that if the president is out of office... It doesn't have to be the chief judge. There's no default provision in the Constitution that if the chief judge refuses to sit, can't sit, won't sit, what happens? The Constitution doesn't say you pick a partisan who's going to vote on this thing and has already expressed an opinion about whether there's guilt and whether um, 
the president should be convicted to run the show. I mean, that's an embarrassment. Whether If you hate Donald Trump and you wish him to be convicted and you don't care how it's accomplished, well, then this process is for you. But if you care about a process which is con- constitutionally consistent and will be something that historically we'll look back on saying, yeah, that was done the right way, then this is a joke. There's, there's no other way to look at it. It's, they're just making up rules and changing rules and inventing rules as they go along, um, which fully misses the point of what should be happening here. Um, and a lot of what's being put forth in the um, house managers is a lot of what ifs. This could have been worse. More people could have been hurt. The building could have burned down. We could have all been killed. Well, none of those things happen. So you can't prosecute or convict somebody for speculations of what could have happened based upon the series of events that unfolded. Um, Again, in a courtroom, you can't say those things. You'd You'd be laughed or thrown out of the courtroom for doing such. But this is political theater. Um, This is political theater that's looking to create a result for the history books and a result that they can use as a political weapon. It's got nothing really to do with the merits of whether the president was engaged in um, a high crime or a misdemeanor or otherwise committed an impeachable offense. Um, Again, I don't see that there is an impeachable offense I don't think that his words and his speech are an impeachable offense. I think that the president's conduct, his behavior, and his decisions after he was back at the White House were poor decisions. They weren't politically well thought out. They had some dreadful consequences. People got hurt. People died. But it's not impeachable per se. It just isn't. It's... um, a series of unfortunate decisions the president made, um, which maybe made matters worse or maybe didn't bring it under control as quickly as possible. But that's a bad decision. That's not an impeachable offense. Right. You know, Tim, there was even a report that the president at one point wanted to uh, lead everyone to walk down to the Capitol. Now, the Secret Service ruled them. There was discussion on that. But even shows, you know, it was to lead people in a protest outside the Capitol, which goes on all the time. There are day or used to be daily protests outside the Capitol. Now, you know, when you have that many people and then it's contentious and people are upset and then people go back and forth. But I I just don't understand how they make the argument of, you know, yeah, we're going to protest, make our voices heard and then turn that into he was instructing them to go in there and and caused the havoc that happened. Yes, and, and certainly the president in his speech, as we've discussed, said, now we're going to peacefully and patriotically walk down right. to the Capitol to let the senators know what we think or how we feel. Um, the, the blurb or the little snippet of the speech, which is now being pounded home in the Senate and in the media, is when the president said, we're going to go that we're going to fight like hell. Right. As if to say that that was promoting an insurrection. Um, You can listen to any newscast any night, if you choose your station 
And there's clips of Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi and Elizabeth Warren and AOC and Maxine Waters saying, we're going to fight, we're going to fight, we're never going to stop fighting. Um, you've got Kamala Harris saying, you know, the, the summer protesters are going to fight. They're going to continue to fight. They're never going to stop fighting and they shouldn't stop fighting. Um, so the political notion of we got to keep fighting is a term that's thrown around by Democrats and Republicans. Right. Um, no one else has called out for that language other than this president. And I think that that's a bit of a double standard. Yeah. But of course, again, we're in the political world, not the legal world. And um, to the extent that folks are aware that those fighting words are being treated differently depending on who says them. Uh, again, points out sort of the political hypocrisy of this whole process. You know, one of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was asked, what did the coach say at halftime? And he said, just that we have to go out there and fight like hell in the second half. I mean, he didn't mean to go out and start fighting the Kansas City Chiefs. It's just kind of a, you know, it's, a, it's just a phrase you use that we're going to give it all we have. Now, Tim, what did you think of the opening by uh, the president's defense team? Uh, his, his, yeah, his defense team. Well, I, I think that what they have brought up in the first instance is reiterating the unconstitutional nature of this entire proceeding. And I think they're right. Um, I think that when they talk about the, the president's um, speech that day, was an exercise of his First Amendment rights, and it was his expressing of his opinion and his thoughts, rightly or wrongly held, as to what happened during that election, that he can't be impeached for his First Amendment right to free speech, to, to tell his crowd his thoughts on what happened to him during the election. And I think that's largely correct. I mean, there's the old adage, you know, free speech doesn't allow you to cry, yell fire in a crowded theater, that old right. adage. But um, if you look at the transcript of the president's speech that day, um, he was expressing his opinion. He was expressing his frustration. And I think that that frustration was shared by the folks in the crowd um, the media has been suggesting that the president knowingly was perpetrating a lie and providing false information on what happened during that election. But he has his right to his opinion. Um, he's not under oath. He does think that he got um, the short end here in terms of the electoral process. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's not. His supporters haven't proved it. It remains an allegation which hasn't been backed up really at all. But he might go to his grave thinking that the election was stolen from him. And he can right. spout that opinion anytime he wants. That's yeah. free speech. Right. Um, and, you know, wars have been fought to protect our constitutional rights. And everyone else but this president, I mean, let me say it differently, this president shouldn't have his right to free speech curtailed um, just because folks don't like what his opinion is. He thinks he got screwed. That's his yeah. opinion. Um, yeah. 
he hasn't supported it. He hasn't backed it up. But that does not mean he has hasn't the right to think what he thinks. Right. Um, and, and, you know, free speech is, in the First Amendment, is a hard thing. As they say, you've got to be willing to let people say the most hurtful things that you don't like and say, well, that's what our country's about. That's what free speech is. That's the way it used to be. Uh, you know, in listening to all this back and forth about what's free speech and what's hate speech and what's in the First Amendment, it's a little off the topic. But I can remember around about when I was in college, if you'll, many of your listeners will remember, there was an event in Skokie, Illinois, where there yeah. was a, a large Jewish population and yeah. many of the folks who lived there were Holocaust survivors who had come from Europe or had family that had died in the Holocaust. And a dreadful event occurs. The KKK decides they're going to have a march in Skokie, which is reprehensible to me, but they wanted to poke everyone who lived in Skokie, the Jewish population. They figured they'd march down Main Street and poked them all in the eye, metaphorically. The ACLU, which is a much different ACLU than it is today, defended the KKK's right to march and to express their dreadful, vile opinions um, in a, a town which was antithetical to everything the KKK stands for. But that is free speech. The right to say what you want to say, to voice your opinions, to voice your politics, whatever the case might be. And the ACLU supported that, not because they like what the KKK was saying. They hated what the KKK was saying, but they defended right. their right to say it. And that's the difficulty of free speech. And that's the challenge that we face. Not this with this president, with a lot of what uh, folks like AOC and others of her um, political stripe yeah. are pushing right sure. now. It's, it's a yeah. slippery slope. You've got free speech issues. You've got this ridiculous impeachment trial going on. So people may like what's happening in terms of muzzling people's speech and going after a president that some don't like. But the bigger picture is that people are just tossing away their constitutional rights or ignoring them willy-nilly, either because they don't understand them, they don't know their historical perspective, or they just don't care, or they've just never learned about the Constitution, John. I don't know which it is, but it's a disturbing trend in this country. Folks, we're going to take a quick break, a lot more. Our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd, straight ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. <laughs> 